Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each episode. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about forgetting things. forgotten that we did a sort of similar episode. I don't have the number on hand because 41, I, I think to look that up. IIA 41. Yeah, which was losing things. So we're going to try to make this as different as possible. So rather than talking about forgetting like literal objects, we're going to be more talking about forgetting things to do, forgetting important aspects of achieving our goals and other aspects of forgetfulness that do not tie so much into the loss of physical objects. Although that might come up a little bit, but we're going to do our best to make sure that this episode is as fresh and not as much of a rehash as possible. So just a little disclaimer in case you're like, uh, haven't you done that already? Almost. <laughs> That's a moment that actually like kind of happened to me. Like we were talking about the episode we wanted to do. We came to forgetting things. And then I was prepping for the episode and I messaged Alice. And I was like, did we do this? And then I looked back in our episode list, which is, I mean, extremely ironic when you think about it, when you're prepping for an episode about forgetting things, then you forget about whether you did an episode about forgetting things. But we didn't. It was about losing things, which we firmly concluded was different enough. But yeah, as Allison concluded before, we're going to be cognizant of the fact that we've talked about some of the things around this before. So if you saw this title and you didn't listen, I guess you wouldn't know that we were also you know, cognizant of this. So your loss. So <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to hang. I was like letting that hang in the air there. Yeah. You're like two minutes in and you're like straight up with the aggression right now. I'm buzzing a little bit. I mean, this is you're going to figure this out in the check-in, but I feel there's a lot going on. I think I'm just like, I think I described it to you before the podcast as something like permanent Christmas morning. Like there's just been so much going on that I'm just like, my stomach's in excitable knots, which I think is a mixture of anxiety and excitement. And I guess I'll save that for the check-in. And and just so I can have more time to figure out just exactly what the hell is going on, I'll throw it over to you and, and ask you on a scale of one to leaving the house convinced that you've left every single burner on, where are you at? Well, typically I only leave one burner on at a time on accident. So like that would be a real feat for me. I'm not saying it's not possible. I am (laughs) saying it has not yet happened, but that's another story. Anyway, I'm like pretty anxious today, to be frank. I'm like a seven and that's probably going to like loosen up a little bit by the time we finish recording because my anxiety was so bad that it was a medication day. So if I'm a little loopy, blame pharmaceuticals. If I sound amazing, it's because my brain is awesome. So just like (laughs) pick your poison, I guess. But yeah, it's been a bit of a tough week for me. Basically, so I have a trip to New York planned in two days. 
And so I've been dealing with like a lot of time scarcity about continuing to run my insane empire of travel websites. (laughs) I now have four (laughs) while also running this podcast, while also incorporating travel back into it. You know, I've never done that before. The most. The the quote unquote insane empire. (laughs) Yeah. I like that term. Yeah. Before COVID, I had two sites, and even that was like a little bit difficult to juggle. I didn't have a podcast, but I made it work with travel. But still, I totally neglected one website. I can. It's really hard for me to manage all my different things. And now that I'm fully vaccinated, all my friends are fully vaccinated. Community transmission rates in the places I'm traveling are like super super low. I'm feeling comfortable to start traveling again. And so that is bringing up a lot of issues with time scarcity and worrying also about like my energy levels post trips because I find trips like really tiring and then it's really Mm -hmm. hard for me to get back into my workflow for a couple of days. So I normally take weekends off and this weekend I was like, okay, well, because you're taking like all of next week off pretty much to travel, we're going to work half days on the weekend, which seems like a very reasonable ask of my body. (laughs) My body was not happy with that at all. And so like after I did like my little four hour work block on Saturday, it pitched a fit. I was like, we're fatigued now. Like, by the way, now we're fatigued. Your legs are tired. Your brain is tired everything's tired. You need to stop. So basically my body threw a little fit that it didn't get its weekend off. And now it's like overcompensated and it's Tuesday now and I'm still not back on my flow. So lesson learned is I probably need to give my brain more breaks or it will take a very long break on its own accord. Do you think we'll ever learn that lesson between the two of us? No, I mean, absolutely yeah. we not. are, we are terrible. They're like every, I feel like we've spent several episodes talking about how like, you know, some of the back padding we've done has been like, you know, I'm just finding that like, I'm finally giving myself a chance to have breaks. And it's like, well, that worked very well when there was nowhere to go and nowhere to be and no one to see and nothing to do. But yeah. <laughs> the moment it's like, there's actually a place to go and things you could do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to fit in. But yeah, it's a lesson Mm -hmm. that I learn somewhat consistently. Yeah. So one of the things I'm working on is like when I'm feeling the fatigue, to let the fatigue just be fatigue and not let it be the catalyst for some really catastrophic story that I'm going to tell myself. So like (laughs) I'm just letting myself feel tired And like, I can think my thoughts about being tired. And one thing that's helping is like, I'm trying to sort of reframe things in a less negative way. So like, instead of being like, I'm so fucking exhausted, I'm like, I'm not as awake as I would like to be. This is a little tip that I picked up from an app called Curable. It's like a brain training app that works with like chronic pain and illness. Hmm. So I've been doing a little bit of mental retraining, trying to use like less apocalyptic language when speaking about, you know, (laughs) pain and fatigue. And it's helping a bit, but I'm still fucking tired. So there's my seven-ish. What about you? Yeah, I respect that. I just wanted to mention, I was just looking quickly, if you want to hear more on us talking about energy levels and things like that and managing it. We recorded 
IIA 47. I'm anxious about energy levels on March the 18th. If you want to hear us talk about that, at that time, I was a bit of a walking zombie. So if you want to hear a less excited Chris, that's a good place to go. So (laughs) I guess I've got to tackle this scale now, right? You do. Okay. So on my scale of one to leaving all the burn, or at least being convinced that I've left all the burners on, because you never really have. That's the thing with it. No, I never really have. I never really have. But I've certainly convinced myself of it many but times. You'll, you'll it, it's, never it's my stop nightmare. worrying about it, though. No, it is my personal nightmare to leave the burners on. Although I feel like I've said that about a lot of our scales. But in general, that is my <laughs> – that's a big one for me. Where am I at? You know, it's interesting. I'm having a really hard time – telling exactly where I'm at. I'm in a pretty good mood. I feel pretty happy overall, but I think I'm still pretty anxious. Like my stomach's a little bit in knots and um, that kind of stuff. So I'm honestly having a hard time placing myself. Realistically, I think I probably got to go with like a four or a five and I'm not anxious necessarily in a negative way. The reason I talk openly about that is just because I think sometimes we can be anxious. It can be tethered to something positive. I don't think the anxiety is necessarily hugely negative. You could be anxious slash excited about Christmas morning, theoretically, right? I have a lot of stuff on the horizon right. that's happening fast and happening in an exciting way. And I'm actually right. having a difficult time figuring out whether I'm anxious about it or just like really excited in like a little kid way that I get to maybe actually leave my office again. Yeah. Well, there's like anxiety that's like anticipation which still feels very much like anxiety, but has a much less existential catastrophe cadence ringing in the background, Mm -hmm. you know? And then there's anxiety that's like dread, you know? Yeah, okay. So it's not dread. It's it's not dread. Yeah. I'm like pretty excitable and bouncy, like a little, like if we're going Winnie the Pooh on this, I'm Tigger, not Eeyore. Okay. Okay. And so, but I think I'm just like, like it's a sort of a situation where if I, after a certain amount of time, Brie would just tell me to go for a walk, you know, like maybe, maybe put that energy somewhere other than anywhere near me. So, but I think <laughs> there's still like an anxiousness to it, but I think that's a good way to frame it. It's more anticipatory as opposed to dread oriented. So I don't even know if five is accurate. I think it's just like, it wouldn't be bad if someone just came up and like tranked me in the neck and then ran away. Like it might serve me well. Like, you know, in old school, where Will Ferrell gets tranked and he's like, yeah, we're going like, you know, he's, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like really out of it. He's like, you're crazy, man. Like I could probably use a peg down. All right. I'll chat with Bree and I think she'll be on the same page. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, for, this will be an interesting one because we're on opposite <laughs> sides of the, the spectrum a little bit at this moment, but I guess we often are in some respects. Um, anyways, forget about it. So I was just wanted to use that transition for this episode. Yeah, so today we're talking about forgetting things. Is there a place that you wanted to start? Sure, yeah. So for me, I'm going to go kind of all over the place, shock. I'm going to start <laughs> with like some of the minutiae, you know, the okay. like little things that I'm worried about forgetting. And then I'm going to go to the meta, which is like my overall, kind of like my number one fear is like developing Alzheimer's or dementia Mm -hmm. in my older age. And I'll talk about like my psychotic brain training regimen to avoid this. (laughs) I'm excited personally. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a real range for me, but like, let's start small. I think like, let's talk about 
the small things, the the lit burners and whatnot before I like mm-hmm. go into like my existential phobias. So one thing that I really struggle with, and I think this is a little bit, it is an anxiety trait, but it's also more largely associated with ADHD. So Chris, you can probably chime in on this. But with forgetting things, I struggle a lot with maintaining good executive functioning. I'm constantly forgetting portions of tasks or not being able to arrange a task in a logical sequence that completes everything. So I become extremely forgetful with tasks that need to be completed over a period of time. So things with deadlines that require multiple steps, that's like my anxiety kryptonite. Classic example, I had a goal to set aside money in a IRA, which basically means you defer the taxes on it. And I knew I wanted to do that, but I kept forgetting to transfer money over to my account where I could actually, you know, allocate it to that. And I just kept forgetting that I needed to transfer the money because my brain saw the task as being one part, put money in account. It didn't see the other part, which is put money in the other account to then put into the account. So then I tried to do everything at the last minute because I had forgotten to do that first step of moving the money into the account that can create the IRA. And so I was able to do a little bit of one, but I'm a very like black or white thinker a lot of the time because I'm super hard on myself. And so to me, that was like as good as like not putting anything in this little tax deferred account. So my mind was like, I failed. I forgot. I forgot. And I'm trying to be like, but you did something. It's not a very sticky reminder. Like, you know, when I remind myself that I'm very quick to kind of like toss it aside and be like, but I did forget. So, you know, that's something. But just as an example, when I talk about forgetting things, In this context, this is kind of what I'm referring to is like missing steps on these multi-step tasks. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think I've had to work at that a lot. I think Brie would probably, and all of my housemates in university would probably agree that I was very adept at washing three quarters of the dishes, like just not quite getting that last 20% done or whatever it is. Like, and that's... That's why so I. One thing I always do. Go ahead. I'm sorry to. No, 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 please, you. please. But one thing I always do, and this just goes back to that like executive functioning piece that I'm going to keep going back to, is like when I take a dish out of a cupboard, almost without fail, every single time, I forget to close the cupboard. My brain does not see that as part of the task completion sequence. Hmm. It's like my brain sees it as open cupboard, get, you know, cup from cupboard, walk away and fill cup. Cabinet just stays open. And so sometimes I'll come downstairs into the kitchen or whatever. And it's like a fucking ghost just like, you know, left all the things (laughs) open, but it was just me, you know, like it's like a scene in paranormal activity where like everything is open. And I'm just like, Oh, um, I'm 95% sure that that was just my own forgetfulness. But then you panic. It could be ghosts. 
of course I do because you know how I feel about ghosts. But like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way where my forgetfulness really comes in. Is just like, is really just super basic comprehension of how a task breaks down into steps. There's always like a little part that I'm missing that makes it like a lot harder and then it makes me feel super stupid. So kind of going back to that like negative self-talk and the anxious about feeling stupid episode we did just a couple episodes ago. Sorry, I don't have the like episode list in front of me right now. No, it was a couple episodes. That's good enough. Yeah, yeah. You can look back. It's not so hard. But yeah, it's kind of like one of those things is like, it seems like the simplest thing in the world to just like before I leave a room to check that I've closed the cupboards, right? But like, I just really struggle to create new mental patterns and adapt my thinking because I get very stuck in what like my current actions are. I don't know. Chris, are you similar? Yeah, I I think that probably speaks to a lot of the ADHD going on and ADHD and anxiety are as we've mentioned before, very sort of hand in hand things. I mean, uh, there's a literally a subreddit on Reddit called ADHD, like under slash anxiety. And it's a very large subreddit. I'll put it that way. And anyways, I think that's true. I mean, I, I had to really battle and have had to battle to get that, like to make sure that when I do the dishes and I'm responsible for the dishes, that I do that last 25%. And really, again, it's kind of like I've had to trick myself into it. I'll listen to podcasts so that I'm not rushed. Like that was my big issue is like, I'm always obsessed with like being efficient and doing things quickly. And so I have that kind of like, maybe you would have where you're thinking to yourself, I've done the tasks, now I can move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. Well, if I'm listening to a podcast or there's a show on in the background where I'm not rushing, then I get in that state where I like actually like wash the counter afterwards and like make sure everything's done. That being said, I mean, there's still certain things that are like mental roadblocks for me. Like we got a like magic bullet to like make smoothies and stuff like that. And like, it took me quite a while to continue to remember that the lids and all the stuff go on the top part of the dishwasher. It was like a couple of reminders where I was like, remember this has to go on the top. And I'm like, damn it. How do I remember these things? And, and I think we can talk a little bit more about tactics later, but there's some things I'm just not great at remembering. Like if I need to take a medication every night, it's best for me to just set an alarm that goes off every single day at 11 PM or whatever it is, because almost without a doubt, when the alarm goes off, I'm like, Hey, what's that? It's like, Oh, it's the alarm that goes off every day to tell you to take medication (laughs) or like whatever it might be. Right. Like, and so there's some benefit to like, just really kind of embracing how crap I can be at that sometimes. Like I'm really kind of shit at forgetting things. But, you know, I've talked before many times on the podcast about how I've like, I've had to build systems around things to help myself stay in the right lane because my natural inclination is Mm -hmm. to swerve from lane to lane to lane. You know, like, I don't know. Again, I I can't speak to whether this is purely ADHD or a mixture of ADHD and anxiety. I'm going to guess it's mostly on the ADHD side of things, but I often have a hard time taking those apart. You know, it's kind of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something like I don't know what after a while it's just all mixed together I have no idea that's probably the strangest metaphor I've come up with in the show but anyways <laughs> you know I, I think I can't even remember what I was just on a tangent about to be perfectly honest with you the peanut butter and jelly we'll metaphor through to separate one from the other yeah but uh, there was some larger point but to it which I've just- now 
There's yeah. an, hold on. We need to first well, celebrate the fact totally. that I've forgotten to say something. I've forgotten to say something on the I'm yeah. Anxious About Forgetting Things episode. So I think that we have to at least acknowledge Perfect. that. Very meta. Very yeah. meta. I guess my point being like, I've had to protect myself around from that. I'll pass it over to you now. Yeah. You were mentioning about the alarms. I've had that set up in the past and it can work, but for some reason, it does kind of trigger a little bit of my anxiety just because of like okay. how like, you know, rude alarms can sound. Yeah, it is abrasive. One tool that's helped me with medication is just getting like one of those old people doset boxes where every week, you know, you just set out your medications in the little boxes because it's very visual and you can tell whether or not you've taken your medication that day. And that's the big thing for me is because I would forget that I had taken my medication and then take it again and then be like, oh, I'm sleepy. My brain feels funny. And so it's just one little tool and you only have to remember to fill it, you know, once a week. And then if you have it in a very visual place, it's pretty easy to remember. So that's just like one little tidbit that's helped me in the past when I've had like a more intensive medication regime or like a strong like supplement and herb regime because I've kind of gone between the two where like I'll take sort of like a more Western approach for a little bit followed by like a more Eastern or a more holistic approach. And either way, I find that I need to really manage like what pills go where and those little dosat boxes, which do things like by day of the week are really helpful for me. So they're not just for old people. They're also for us normies who just forget things. <laughs> normies. I'm curious. I mean, I don't want to go too far off the trail of I'm anxious about forgetting things. But before I forget to ask, sorry, this joke will keep um, coming up over and over again. What is a more Eastern approach just for people who might not know? Yeah. So my aunt's an herbalist with like a background in Chinese and Japanese medicines and healing modalities. So for me, what that will look like is focusing more on vitamins and herbs, primarily for me, adaptogens. So adaptogens are herbs that have like a function that kind of will help with, you know, thyroid and different sort mm-hmm. of like hormonal balances and whatnot. So ginseng, is, mm-hmm. which we talked about on our caffeine episode, is an adaptogen. Yeah. And Thai holy basil is another yeah, yeah. like adaptogen. So adaptogens are just things that kind of can help your energy levels in a way that is more holistic and less like drug based the way like caffeine is where caffeine you like you get a hit and you're like yeah I'm good I'm good I'm good whereas like adaptogens kind of are more of a mellow integrative approach yeah yeah yeah. it's more about kind of reaching an equilibrium so like what I'm saying like going through like a particular Eastern medicine side of things, that's when I'm focusing a little more on herbs and supplements. And I kind of balance both. Like currently, I'm on an off cycle with my antidepressants. I don't need to take antidepressants continuously throughout my life. A lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. It's just like totally dependent on what your psychiatrist says. And so when I off cycle off of my antidepressants, I'll often on cycle 
onto herbal and vitamin regime. And I've been able to find that that kind of the combination of the two, you know, it's like one is more for acute. I think Western medicine really excels at treating these like really acute periods. Whereas like, I think Eastern medicine excels- More sustainable potentially. Like a more sustainable and integrative approach that Mm -hmm. does falter a little bit when you're dealing kind of with crisis and acute. So I find that pretty effective. No, I'm happy you explained that actually and dived into that a little bit more. And I think that'll be helpful for a lot of people. There's one thing that I wrote down just, I don't know, it wasn't necessarily something you said, but it's just something I thought about. It's kind of funny with anxiety how there's a sense that sometimes, you know, we, we've talked about this before as well. There's a sort of a physiological side of things where the notion that you can become forgetful is backed up by a number of things. But one is, you know, if you're anxious, typically you're releasing more cortisol and cortisol is the what you'd call the stress hormone and and that the release of that hormone because it puts you into that flight or mm-hmm. fight mode, it makes it a little bit harder to form and recall memories. And I was thinking, you know, that's interesting, but I think also the way that I remember things as somebody who experienced anxiety is can be interesting as far as I seem to be able to you know, my ability to forget things is, is also on the other side, my ability to never forget some things and that I would like to forget, you know, is quite hard too. like you can, the, I know it's quite common with, with anxiety to have something which you can almost obsessively fixate on. And we've talked a lot about this when thinking about childhood, like some small event that was really not mm-hmm. very consequential that you've obsessed over your whole life. And I'm just curious to like maybe take a second to explore that dichotomy of how it can be easy to forget some of the everyday things or can be easy to forget even some things that went well and you can kind of check off your list and yet very difficult to forget some things that you would love to forget. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of the meme that I posted in our Facebook group we're anxious about the other day where it was like a man chiseling things into stone saying like, my biggest failures and then like a man (laughs) writing with a stick in the sand saying all my achievements. And I think Uh, that pretty accurately sums up our negativity bias towards remembering sort of our failings. And I would say that there is an evolutionary reason behind it besides just that like our brains are real assholes sometimes, but (laughs) a lot of it is about, you know, human beings. Historically, we've been very tribal creatures and I'm using tribal Mm -hmm. in a very vague sense, meaning like we like to form like bands, right? Right, right, right. So those bands or tribes of human beings that like we kind of created these little clusters, these little social networks it became really important not to repeat these like cultural faux pas within our little pod mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because that could get you thrown out of the group. And if you're thrown out we of would the hate group, that. yeah, you get thrown out of the group, you know, you don't got a cool cave to hang out in. No. You know, there's all these things that you lose access to. So I think there is a reason behind this negativity bias that we have, which is why we don't forget our failings, but we do really easily wallpaper over our accomplishments because those aren't really as necessary. And in fact, 
harping on those accomplishments constantly could get you might kicked out as well. Also lead to you being kicked out of the tribe because That's like yeah. you know you're just like, oh, well, like that person has no humility. That person is just like makes me feel I am an incredible hunter. No one (laughs) shall outhunt me. You're gone, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there is a reason why we forget certain things and not others. And I think it's because our brains think it will serve us when it's like, y'all, we live in houses now, not caves. And we have like Instacart. And Whole Foods, two-hour delivery, you know, we don't really need to think like this anymore. Like, you know, modernization has happened, um, you know, but these patterns are just really ingrained. It's hard to forget something that has been born into you, bored programmed. into you. Yeah, yeah, programmed socially. So I think that can have a lot to do with like our memory cycles as well. And what we tend to remember all of our flaws and failings and greatest hits and embarrassment and what we tend to forget, which are the moments where we received a lot of validation and praise. That's actually really interesting. And I think that makes a ton of sense to me. And I think I've thought around those parameters before, but I haven't necessarily such definitive clarity where it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And hopefully listeners shall agree. I've tried to, in recent years, sort of actually take a moment to crystallize certain memories where I had like the, like a beautiful moment. I, I remember, for example, I was on a camping trip with four or five friends and we'd been on this trip where it was raining nonstop and we had planned the most ambitious Canadian backcountry trip you've ever imagined. Like we were portaging kilometers a day. We were canoeing like tens of kilometers a day in between the portages. We were getting to our sites late at night. It rained the entire- What is a portage? Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. It's time to get Canadian here. A portage is when you doing a trip with multiple lakes. And so you arrive at the end of one lake and you got to put the canoe on your shoulders and all the pack and all your gear and stuff and bring it over to the next lake. That is extremely Canadian. Yes, yes, it is. So- Thank you. Is there like so, a moose to help with the transport or like? Naturally. You know? Yeah. Every lake actually comes with a moose. I don't <laughs> if you didn't know that. Often friendly, sometimes frustrating. But anyways, in this case, there were, we couldn't find a single moose to help us with our stuff. So we were extra frustrated. And so anyways, it was raining the entire fucking time, just the entire time. And finally, we found this beautiful campsite with this rock that was looking out over the water. It's like a, maybe a 40 foot jump from the top and the skies cleared and we just all started jumping off the rock and having the best time. And then the most incredible sunset you've ever seen in your life came across and the whole lake turned pink. And I remember, you know, I was taking a photo of it or whatever and I put my phone down and I was like, no, I'm going to actively try to remember this. And I've never forgotten that view and that feeling of sitting there. And I tried to take that with me now where both you and I have, we're both in travel writing, travel content, that kind of stuff when you can travel, or at least that's part of what we do. And there's a tendency to capture everything and except for memories, right? You capture everything on your phone, you capture everything, whatever, but you don't really take it in. And I'm You know, I think there's extreme value in the moments that we really want to capture because if you talk to like some of the physiological challenges that we face around that, like I think there's a lot of value in actually just taking a moment to begin like, I am going to try 
to remember this, to try and capture this memory for myself, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it seems to be reasonably effective, but I think that kind of goes in line with a lot of what we talk about on the show around being present and, and showing gratitude. Like I find like when you are practicing gratitude and trying to show gratitude, then you have those moments where you're like, oh, I should be grateful for this moment. Like this moment right here, I should be really grateful for. And in future times, that is when I will most certainly hug you. And that's, you know, hope that's not terrible for you. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to get across. With, with, I would with... welcome a Chris hug at this point. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. And I think everyone who's listening, if I do meet you in real life, you can expect a Chris hug as well, unless it would make you feel uncomfortable, in which case I will respect that deeply. Where else did you want to go with this, Elsa? I know we were going to talk about one big long word there, the condition that we both came across that uh, I don't think either of us were aware of. Why don't you say it? I trust your pronunciation skills better than mine. Okay. Well, because you said that aloud, I'm probably going to screw this up, but whatever. So- what I think it's called is athazagoraphobia. So athazagoraphobia. And in prepping for this episode, we've often found in preparing for episodes that there are certain baseline conditions that we had no idea were associated with certain anxious inclinations, we'll say. And athazagoraphobia is the fear of forgetting someone or something as well as the fear of being forgotten. So the one caveat that it's important to make there is this condition really isn't people who are terrified of forgetting their keys or terrified of forgetting sort of the minutia that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. This is like the existential side of things of like, it's linked a lot to people who are particularly frightened about dementia and people who are particularly frightened about Alzheimer's. And quite frankly, like I'm frightened about that. I mean, if you're not frightened about that, I'm concerned about why. Obviously that's something that, um, you know, we all hope doesn't happen to us and we try and keep our brains sharp to avoid that. But anyways, this condition just to understand is about forgetting someone or something and or being forgotten. And uh, probably we can all relate to that on a Mm -hmm. human level. But I guess the, the big thing there is if you have athazagoraphobia, I'm getting really good at that word now. If you have athazagoraphobia, it's acute, right? Like it's an acute terror. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, right. I don't know how you want to speak to that, but I guess that the most important thing to remember is just that this idea of forgetting things being forgotten, I feel like this is as human as it gets because the idea of forgetting being forgotten, all of these ideas are, are really tethered to mortality, right? And so- right it seems like a topic which is like, haha, like I forgot my wallet or whatever. But like really the topic is that only for a couple of minutes until you realize that like to forget and to be forgotten is something larger to the point where there's a group of people who are, you know, potentially paralyzed by this in some regard. So feel free to speak to that unless I've already spoken to it. <laughs> and I did just um, tap your shoulder as you were yawning. So um, <laughs> apologies. <laughs> No, no, it's all good. Just the medicine, like slowly, like going through my system, making me yawn a lot. So excuse me. We're almost at the finish line. We got this. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, for me, I do have like an intense fear of not aging, but losing my grip on reality as I age and forgetting people, forgetting places, forgetting myself, especially and just sort of like losing touch with reality. I don't want my brain to go before my body. I could deal 
with my body kind of like kicking out on me. Like I wouldn't mind if, you know, I had to spend my final years in a wheelchair or, you know, some sort of assisted living in that regard. But I do not want to spend my final years completely confused about time. I don't know. Did you watch the Anthony Hopkins film for which he won the Oscar, The Father? So Brie and I, we're close to watching that. And instead, we watched The Two Popes, which we thought was excellent, but has nothing to do with this episode. So, no. so that is the type of movie that I want to watch. But I'm worried it's going to stir up anxiety because this is something I'm frightened about. But please elaborate. Yeah, for me, it didn't stir up anxiety, but it stirred up a deep sadness that I didn't even know that I had. It's just very well in a very artistic way and a very structural way in in terms of how the film was filmed and the cinematography. There's like a lot of sort of like loops. It's very like a puzzle that sort of becomes more clear over time. Interesting. Because you sort of are sharing a perspective with Anthony Hopkins as he's going through dementia. It's a fantastic film. I was crying. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't. I'm writing it down. But I was crying. I was really emotional. Which is sometimes good too, actually. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you. Yeah. But my big fear, yeah, is like losing my brain before my body, and so I do all sorts of like brain training things to try to keep. My brain sharp, you know, like I am like obsessed with learning languages. I practice thinking in other languages for at least 20 or 30 minutes a day. I do a crossword puzzle every day. Just what like, languages, and, if you don't mind me asking? Do you, does it matter the language, or do um, you... I, I alternate because I want to remember all of them, but I do Portuguese, Spanish, and French. So okay. I'll just practice thinking in another language for does it look like meditating like from the outside if i walked into a room would you just be sitting there with your eyes closed or are you practicing out loud i'm just curious about process it's usually silent but sometimes i'll sort of like mouth it or like whatever i just kind of practice thinking in other languages and just trying to interesting recall because i learned three extremely similar languages in terms of like they're all from the same language family especially spanish and portuguese are extremely similar in terms of vocabulary so it's partly like me wanting to keep them like distinct and not losing them and not forgetting Mm -hmm. them over time but that's one of the things that i do to kind of try to train my brain keep it active keep it problem solving so like puzzles I play like strategy games to kind of try to I don't know just like keep my brain healthy sure and I don't know if it's healthy or not or helping or not I don't think it's hurting so I just keep doing it but um, I have a huge fear and I think a lot of that and we'll eventually get into this at one point but a lot of it is tied into the fact that I don't want children and I've known that I don't want children since I was like five and decided that it would be more fun to throw my Barbie on the I roof hate my than to like <laughs> actually take care of my Barbie. Like there were Barbies on the roof at my house. So <laughs> I was not a doll child. But anyway. I thought it was literally a thing where you're like, I hate all of my peers and I will eventually have to have a child like them. So I'm out. No. But yeah, the dolls thing works too. Sorry, continue on. Yeah. Oh no. So it's like, there is that knowledge that I'll be on my own in my older years, most likely, Mm -hmm. you know, like unless like someone really 
takes me on as cool auntie and they feel kind of like obliged to be there or whatever. But I'm not expecting that. I'm kind of expecting that like this is, you know, you make sacrifices either way, right? You're either sacrificing a lot of your freedom in your younger years to raise children and create a family or you have all that freedom in your early years, but then in your older years, you don't have that sort of anchor, you know, and it's one or the other, right? You kind of have to choose and both can be right or wrong for different people. And knowing myself, knowing what I want to do, I've chosen to not have children, but that does give me a little more fear of like, oh my God, what happens? Yeah. Like if I, when you're develop, forgetting things, yeah, yeah when I or if, like, I shouldn't say when I should say if, yeah, if you experience something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think that's partly where the fear gets like exacerbated. I think I'd be afraid no matter what. I think it's a very human fear. Yeah. But I think that the fear gets intensified by the knowledge that it might be something I'm navigating alone. So we will do an episode on I'm anxious about children at some point. I'm anxious about it, but I'm sold on it. I want to have kids. I think it's, you know, it's difficult, Allison, to your point to think in definites because I know some people who they've had, or I know some situations where somebody's had children, but they become estranged from their kids. And so if they were having kids to make a bet that they'd be looking after them in their old age, I mean, that bet didn't pan out anyways. You know what I mean? So I think it's it's right. difficult to look at, it, it can be easy to look at things in a black and white lens. And sometimes it's not like that. I mean, I watched both my parents take care of their parents and I know you know, my brother and I will certainly be there for my parents, but you know, we have friends and family, friends and stuff like that. They're, they're not well connected to their family. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is family means something very different to different people. And you don't know what your family right. could look like. You could meet somebody in your old age who ends up being your kick-ass best friend and you guys take care of each other until, you know, until the mm-hmm. cows go home. You have no idea how things are going to play out. So I guess my point there, and just for anyone listening really is like, it's, if we've learned anything over the last year and a half, it's that our futures are far from decided and we have no idea what the hell is going to happen. And and there's actually, I find there's power, at least for me, I know when I'm stressed out or I get anxious about something, I just become almost obsessively focused on the day that I'm living, right? Or the hour that I'm living, you know, just focus on not like... If my fear is that life's going to be too short or that this and that's going to happen in the future, well, I better really enjoy today, (laughs) you know, and uh, and that's like a mentality Mm -hmm. that I can stomach in some ways. I have plenty of fears about the future, but the future is really just another today down the road, right? And it's easy to paint it as some other place, some other time. That's not really the case. It's just one today at a time. And so that's, that is the way that I can come more to terms with it. And I mean, I have no shortage of fears. I've mentioned, I I lost my best friend, you know, at 21 and that sent all sorts of fears. I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of my anxiety came from, but then I became obsessively, you know, obsessed about making most of every day and all this kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, part, to take it back to this, like forgetting things, like I just want to try my best, like this COVID period was 
was and is difficult because I feel like there were so many days that were blurred and not worth remembering. And I'm, uh, you know, I want to create yeah. memorable days, you know, and that's, and that's the other thing too, is like one strategy that I have really is that is the idea of, of creating memorable days, things worth remembering. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I read the book off the clock by Laura Vanderkamp. And like one of her central tenants was like, that, uh, you know, yeah, one way we can extend our life is by is by doing things which are memorable, you know, because your brain physiologically, mm-hmm. you know, from that, we can go back to that period where we're living in, in groups and, and whatever that paleolithic sort of idea is like, you weren't remembering tasks that you'd already mastered. So if you go to a job and do the same thing every day, all day, and nothing against that, but if you're doing that, you're probably not going to try and form memories around that in the same way that you would if you were doing a different job every day, because that has a beneficial sort of physiological and psychological, it has an advantage for you in life. So that's one thing I'm focused on as well. And then we started for this period to be over is doing new things, but those also come with fear and anxieties around that too. The greener pasture that we all crave is, it still has bugs. I don't know how to say it, you know, more eloquently than that. But, you know, we, we picture this greener pasture that always is going to have its own challenges, right? No matter what path you take. So that is my right. ending soliloquy, I guess. I think that's probably where I wanted to get with this. Uh, although I didn't know it when we started recording, I thought I was going to spend this entire episode talking about <laughs> forgetting little shit. And then you started off by being like, this is just like the minutia. We better get deeper. And I was like, I better expand my mind quickly. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> do you want to take this in any other places before we head to kind of the little wrap up that we do on the end of each episode? Yeah, I'll just bring up one thing quickly that I didn't get a chance to talk about. Please, please, please and thanks. Just if it helps you feel better about how often you forget things and just sort of like lapses in memory, that has actually been proven in studies to be a trademark of GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, is Mm. that your working memory capacity suffers. You're just, your brain is occupied with those anxious loops, you know, and it's very hard for new information that is a little bit important, but like not crazy urgent to work its way into the loops and spirals that you're going down. So you're not abnormal and you're almost certainly not having early onset dementia, which is something that I Googled for myself about once a month for a period of time. (laughs) But there are lots of things that happen within the brain that are related to different structures in the brain, such as the hippocampus, which stores memories, but it also... I think is related with a couple other functions, but memory is the important one for this context. And for people with depression, that hippocampus can actually shrink and lose some functionality. And with anxiety, there are glucocorticoids. I don't know if that's similar to cortisol or if that's a totally different neurotransmitter, but high levels of those make it really hard to store new information. So just on like a chemical level and a brain anatomy level, there are these things that are actually kind of out of our control that are responses to different diagnosable mental conditions. So, you know, it might be just a fact and a side effect of having a 
you know, a clinical condition as well. It might not just be like my moral failing, you know, Mm -hmm. it might be something that is intrinsic to your diagnosis. I think that's all interesting worth bringing up. I mean, there's the things that I've researched that can help with memory, things like, you know, learning new languages. Um, Also, like a lot of these, whenever I research, like what can help with this, it seems like some of the same things show up, which is like, you know, regular exercise and meditation. And, you know, I also, I used to be more inclined to always have something in my ear, always listen to something. And now, like, for example, last night, there was a bunch of dishes to wash. And I was like, well, I'll listen to a podcast while I was doing it. And instead, I listened to a 15 minute meditation that was called washing the dishes. And it was like all about like feel your hands in the water and like touch the plates and stuff. And there was large gaps of silence in between. And Mm -hmm. that's not something I usually do, but like, it's this idea of, I think whatever it is, exercise or meditation or whatever you need to get to that place, like giving yourself, you know, I find it's, it's a little bit harder for me to form memories if I'm always go, go, going. Like I need to give myself some time for memories to quote unquote settle. You know, like that's why Mm -hmm. I don't hate myself for not falling asleep right away because I think of that time as like that's when I'm processing and letting things settle. So I've had a busy day. I've done a lot of stuff. Bree's fast asleep and loving life and I'm still lying there rolling back and forth. I just don't hate myself. I just think this is the way. I've been so busy all day. I've been going, going, going. This is when I'm crystallizing memories. This is when I'm thinking about what was important. This is when I'm doing this, that, and the other. And that's just a positive spin on what you could put a negative spin on. But, you know, I guess that would be my, Mm -hmm. uh, if there was such a tip is, it's a common tip that I try and give, but like giving ourselves space uh, always seems to help. And I think in the realm of forgetting things, that seems like it would be especially important to give ourselves that space. I mean, there's like, a, I believe I've mentioned this probably, not say recently, but at some point during our tenure, you know, they often talk about, there's a metaphor I heard in like Buddhism about like, in some ways, meditation is like someone hands you a glass of muddy water shaken up and your job with meditation is to just be still enough to let the mud settle and get some clarity in the water. And I think that's what we ought to afford ourselves, you know, in, in our quest to not be forgetting things, to keep our minds sharp. We need to make sure that we're not walking around with constantly muddied water, you know, like give ourselves time right. to put the glass, put the jar down and let some of the mud settle so we can see through the water a little bit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to the idea of, the dishwashing meditation. I, on Simple Habit, I have two meditations that I return to time and again. Mm-hmm. One is a five-minute meditation about drinking coffee, and one is like a 10-minute shower meditation. And I love those because I have, a, I still have a lot of resistance to meditation, but when I'm pairing it with an activity that I would be doing anyway, it feels a lot like lost time which is one of those sort of things that I think about or like, or like I get kind of grippy with the idea that like I'm losing time, but it's like, well, Mm -hmm. I was going to drink that cup of coffee anyway. I was going to take that shower anyway. Might as well do it mindfully. You know what I mean? So I just want to, if you are someone who struggles to meditate like myself, those are a really great place to start. So I just wanted to promote that a bit. Yeah. I use the 10% happier app, which is called 10%. It's a, like, it's a paid app, but it's, I just type in what I'm doing. Sometimes I'm like walking meditation. There's like five of them. There's like 
whatever meditation, there's mm-hmm. they have one little subsection called like health. And it's like all the things you could be doing like actively while you're doing this stuff. There's one for being stuck in traffic. There's one for, so I would you know encourage everyone to search for it because there's, it's about making use of that time that you, like if I was stuck in traffic and put that on, I'd probably feel a little better about it. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up and switch to our last segment, which is for anyone who's new for this episode, we always just take a chance to just say one thing we're patting ourselves on the back for. And the idea, of course, is, is that you take a moment, like feel free to just forcefully pause us right now and think of one thing that you're patting yourself on the back for in the last week or two weeks, as it were, because that's would have been the last time you listened to an episode probably. Do you want to start with uh, one thing you're patting yourself on the back for? Sure. So I have lately had to work on some things related to my site speed for an upcoming update on Google. This probably interests absolutely no one. But um, the point being is that (laughs) I have a very persistent self-story that I'm bad at technology, I'm bad at, you know, design and development, but I was actually able to solve several of my own problems. I had some help from my dear friend, Jeremy, who is a rock star developer who definitely helped me out. But I will say that like, I've also feel like I pulled a good amount of weight in fixing my site and that felt really empowering. And I didn't realize I could do that. And so that was just kind of cool. And I think we should pay more attention to stories where we prove our story about ourselves wrong, you know? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's a super fair point. I guess I could just tether off that and we could just go double nerd on this one as far as site stuff. And just, uh, I had a bunch of stuff wrong with my main site that kind of started all my travel writing stuff, which is travelingmitch.com. And I redesigned the whole site and got it into tip top shape. And I'm happy about that. It's something I put off for quite some time. And and the way that I'll make this um, applicable to more than just myself, you did a good job of that, by the way, switching from we'll say nerd to herd, you know, it was, it went from just for you and something somewhat lame to applicable to everybody. So (laughs) I like that term too, but I I think, you know, that was something I'd been putting off for so long and um, I finally got around to it and it's already paying a lot of dividends. And you kind of have that voice in your head that immediately says, you should have done this so long ago. Like you should have done this a million years ago, whatever. And you know what? Oftentimes, like that voice, that the should have voice is is not very useful at all, right? Like, who cares? I mean, now I've done it, right? So, like, what does it matter if I could have done it a year ago? Maybe I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't do it, so I maybe I didn't have the wherewithal to to deal with that and all that would take to mm-hmm. to launch all this stuff. So, um, again, just that that notion of being a little kinder to ourselves. I am where I'm at right now. And that's all I can focus on, right? Like living in the past is something I'm very adept at, but how helpful it is, I don't know. And thankfully, I'm getting better at just kind of focusing on the present and the future and that kind of stuff. But um, anyways, if you want to hear our thoughts on the past and the future, you can go to previous episodes. We've kind of talked about all of those things now that we've been around for quite some time now. But we're not going to be around for much longer on this episode. I think we ought to say goodbye, right? Yeah, I think it's time to say goodbye. 
Uh, we should not forget to sign off and just start going oh, about our nice. days. That would be awkward, potentially. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. We hope some of this resonated with you. If anything just really spoke to you and you'd like to share something in our Facebook group we're anxious about, we'd love to hear about it or just any feedback or any yeah, sort go of to, I was like gonna to say share. Uh, Apple Podcasts, we have – I don't know, maybe like 15 or so ratings and reviews. I, I can't even remember what it is, but if everyone has gone there and given us a five-star review or whatever, thank you very much. We appreciate it. But if you haven't, go ahead and do that. Don't forget to do it. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah. If you forget, you might have Alzheimer's, so just don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> that is a alarming note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I may have gone a little too far there. <laughs> if you forget, it's totally fine. And we'll pull it back a little bit and say, don't forget to tune in in two weeks. Does that seem a little bit, that seems a, a touch more reasonable? Yeah, that's that's a little nicer. Yeah, okay. a little more reasonable. All right. yeah, well, a, little, a little deep end there for a second. <laughs> that's all right. We all go to the deep end sometimes. It's just about swimming back up. Anyways, everybody, thanks for tuning into this episode. We will catch you again in a couple weeks' time, and uh, we appreciate you tuning and listening. Great. Thank you. See you next fortnight. <laughs> <laughs>